So, as what was said, the Bible reading is going to be in two parts today. Um, and the first one is from Daniel 7, 1 to 15. So, you can either follow along on the screen behind me or in your own Bibles. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions passed through his mind as he was lying in bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. Daniel said, In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me were four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the others, came up out of the sea. The first was like a lion, and it had the wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off, and it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a human being, and the mind of a human was given to it. And there before me was a second beast, which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, get up and eat, eat your fill of flesh. After that, I looked, and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard, and on its back it had four wings like those of a bird. This beast had four heads, and it was given authority to rule. After that, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts, and it had ten horns. While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little one, which came up among them. And three of the first horns were uprooted before it. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a human and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I looked, thrones were set in place and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing. Coming out from before him, thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority but they were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit, and the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. Well, g'day everyone. Hi, my name is Scott. I'm the pastor at Trinity Church Paraka. Um, I'd love to be with you this morning, but I, as you've obviously heard by now, uh, I've caught the COVID and so stuck here at home. Um, but we're still going to get into Daniel chapter 7 now. So here's a question I have for you. Uh, what would you do if you knew the future? What would you do if you knew what was going to happen in the future? Or, or to put it a different way, say you could go back 10 years, but you still knew everything up until now. How, what, would it, what would you do? How would it change things? Maybe you'd like to invest in Bitcoin 
you know, back 10 years ago, you could have bought one Bitcoin for somewhere between two and $10. But late last year, you could have sold it for nearly $67,000. Perhaps if you would go back in time, maybe you would uh, get to 2019 or the start of 2020 and you'd cancel all of your holiday plans and you'd stock up on your toilet paper. Maybe what you do is something completely different, but if you knew what was going to happen in the future, that would change what you do right now. I'm sure of it. It would change what you do right now. Uh, obviously, Christmas is nearly upon us. Um, Christmas in the Bible is all about God meeting us in Jesus. So at the moment, we're doing this series called Amazing Encounters. We're looking at other times in the Bible where people have met God and have had encounters with him. And, and, and as we do that, we ourselves get a taste of these encounters with God too. And so today we're in Daniel, in Daniel chapter 7, where Daniel meets God. And he sees what God has in store for the future. No doubt for Daniel, knowing the future, knowing the future that God told him, changed his life. And it's going to be the same for us too. As we look on through Daniel's eyes and as we hear about what God has in store for our future, it's going to change things for us as well. It's got to. So let's dig into it then. Firstly, a little bit of background on Daniel. Uh, Daniel lived roughly in the 500s BC. So that puts him two and a half thousand years ago from us. Uh, he is a Jewish guy. And at that time, the Jews, the God's people, they were in exile. Uh, They'd been taken from their land in Palestine and taken off to Babylon as captives. Uh, If you were with us a little bit earlier in the year, you might remember us going through the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. And Daniel happens just a little bit before that. So Daniel is a young man when the exile begins. And he actually became an important official in Babylon, uh, kind of like a a very high-ranking public servant. And, and, And the book called Daniel, it it talks a lot about Daniel's life. And we we see some really memorable moments in it, like the time when Daniel had to spend a night in the lion's den, or the time when three of Daniel's friends uh, were sent to the fire pit to to, to get burned, but actually they survived. Some incredible stories. But but from chapter 7 onwards, the book changes. It's not about these memorable moments anymore, but, but there's a focus on some visions, some dreams that Daniel has. And look, they are wild. And the one we're about to get into today is wild. Uh, in the passage that was just read out for us, we saw that Daniel had a dream, but not just any dream. His was a particularly scary dream. Now you think about nature for a moment, and nature is, is scary. There are some really terrifying creatures out there. Uh, Like sharks. I'm naturally afraid of sharks. They're scary enough. But did you know they have somewhere between five and 15 rows of teeth? And I hear that and I'm just terrified. Or what about uh, the South Australian Museum? We were there earlier this week with our kids. And you go in there and you see that giant squid, right? It's, It's a replica of a real giant squid that was 11 meters long. 11 meters long. Imagine coming across that thing in the wild. Or have you heard about sawfish? Uh, This is crazy, right? These are a fish, but it looks like they've got a chainsaw for a nose. It's it's Nature can be incredibly scary. But what if you used your imagination and you combined two things together? Like imagine if there was an animal that looked like a cheetah, that had the speed of a cheetah, but had the head of a rhinoceros. 
imagine how fast it could run and the damage it could do when it struck you with those horns. Or, or imagine maybe even something that's relatively harmless, say like a minor bird. Uh, but then imagine a, a minor bird could spit venom like a cobra. I mean, you'd never go outside, would you? Uh, nature can be scary. Uh, and that's the kind of thing that Daniel sees in his dream. He sees like these, these animals that are combined to each other. These four beasts rise out of the ocean and they're terrifying. So the first beast comes out and it's like a lion, except it's got wings on its back. I mean, there's a creature you'd rather not come across in the wild, right? Uh, now, it seems to get humbled in some way. Its, its wings are torn off and it becomes less beastly and more human. But it's still a terrifying thing. And then comes the second beast. Uh, it's, it's like a bear that, that just, it's got the appetite of a 13-year-old boy, right? It's ravenous all the time. It just cannot be filled. And, and this bear is raised up on its side. It's ready to pounce. It's, it's got the ribs of its last victim still in its teeth. And it's given permission. It says there, get up and eat your fill of flesh. That's the second beast. And there's a third beast. And this one is crazy. This is a leopard that can fly, and it's got four heads, a terrifying creature. And it's given authority to rule and to have dominion. And if that's not bad enough, then the fourth beast comes. And look, this one is so scary. It, it's too terrifying even really to put into words. Uh, it's a frightening and powerful beast that crushes and devours whatever it comes across. And it's also got these Ten horns, and, 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 and horns are a sign of strength. Like, you know, uh, a rhinoceros has a horn, which means it can defend itself and attack other things with ease. Um, and that's the idea with these ten horns as well. It's a sign of strength for this fourth beast. But then there's another horn that grows up, the eleventh horn. And it knocks out three of the other horns. And, and this horn is, is quite crazy. It's got human eyes and a mouth, and it starts speaking boastfully. Right, this, is, this is a pretty scary dream at this point. Uh, but then, uh, like what can happen in dreams, there's a sudden change and a shift. It's like, it's like a cutscene. Um, and now we're in a throne room. Uh, or maybe even a courtroom. And there's someone there who's called the Ancient of Days. Like a really old person. White clothes, white hair. And this Ancient of Days it sits down on a throne, but it's not just any throne. There's kind of like fire all around it. It's, it's flaming, its wheels are on, on, on fire, and there's this river of fire gushing out before it. But also all around there, there's like a gazillion attendants spreading all around, waiting on the Ancient of Days. And you get this idea at this point. This is not like an old-age pensioner just kicking back in a lazy boy recliner. The Ancient of Days has breathtaking power. But then suddenly, the beasts are there in the throne room as well, the four beasts. And, and the eleventh horn on that fourth beast, it's still speaking boastfully. But then the fourth beast is killed, and the other beasts have their power and authority taken away. And before you can really take a breath in this dream, then something new happens as well. There's, there's Suddenly there's someone who looks like a son of man, like a human being there. And, and, and he's taken right up to the, the Ancient of Days. And the Ancient of Days gives him glory and authority and power. He, he ends up being worshipped by all nations. And he'll have power forever and ever. 
That is Daniel's crazy, wild, scary dream. Look at actually what Daniel says about it in verse 15. He says, I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit, and the visions that passed through our mind disturbed me. It's scary. He is freaked out. You ever had a dream like that? I actually had one the other night. Most often I don't remember my dreams, but the other night I woke up in a fit because in my dream I I saw a a spider running across our bedhead. And it freaked me out. And I actually had to turn on the light to reassure myself, no, 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 there's no spider actually there. That's the kind of feeling that Daniel has at this moment. And when, when we hear his dream, we've probably got questions about it too. Like, like why is this in the Bible? Why are we hearing about someone's dream? And, and if it's supposed to be here, what, what's it really all about? Thankfully, Daniel had that very same question. Right? He's, he's still in the dream, but he's able to have enough consciousness, enough reasoning to turn to one of the attendants there. And he asks them, what's going on? Uh, Now, I believe Maverick read the first part of the Bible. I'm assuming this is what's happened. And so Maverick's going to come up and read the the next little chunk of the Bible for us now too. Thanks, Mav. So I approached one of those standing there and asked him the meaning of all of this. So he told me and gave me the interpretation of these things. The four great beasts are the four kings that will rise from the earth. But the holy people of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever. Then I wanted to know the meaning of the fourth beast, which was different from all the others and most terrifying. With its iron teeth and bronze claws, the beast that crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. I also wanted to know about the ten horns on its head and about the other, ho- the other horn that came up, before which three of them fell, the horn that looked m- more imposing than the others and that had eyes and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I watched, this horn was waging war against the holy people and defeating them, until the Ancient of Days came and pronounced judgment in favor of the holy people of the Most High, and the time came when they possessed the kingdom. He gave me this explanation. The fourth beast is a fourth kingdom that will appear on earth. It will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth, trampling it down and crushing it. The ten horns are ten kings who will come from this kingdom. After them, another king will arise, different from the earlier ones. He will will subdue three kings. He will speak against the Most High and oppress his holy people and try to change the set times and laws. The holy people will be delivered into his hands for a time, times and half a time. But the court will sit and his power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty, power and greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the holy people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom and all rulers will worship and obey him. This is the end of the matter. I, Daniel, was deeply troubled by my thoughts, and my face turned pale, but I kept the matter to myself. Have you ever wondered what your dreams mean? Or or, or wouldn't you love to know if they did have a meaning? So, I can remember a dream I had as a young kid. I had this dream, actually, I had it twice, same dream. 
Uh, now, where I grew up, we lived on top of a hill, and about 200 metres down the hill from us was the beach. And twice I had a dream where I was standing in our living room, and I was looking out the front of our house, and, and the ocean was there, lapping just about five metres from our front door. And I remember being in the dream and being worried. Uh, twice I had this dream. What does it mean? Is it perhaps a warning about climate change and rising sea levels? Does it mean that I have a deep-seated fear of the ocean and I ought to stay away? Or perhaps there's no real meaning to this dream at all. It's just a dream I had. Wouldn't you love to know the meaning of your dreams? Well, Daniel, he's had this scary dream, but he's alert enough to ask one of the attendants in the dream, what's it all about? And the attendant tells him, the dream is about the future. It's both a warning to God's people and a comfort to God's people. So firstly then, Daniel's dream is a warning to God's people. It speaks to them about the dangers that lie ahead of them. So Daniel's told in verse 17, the four great beasts are four kings that will rise from the earth. And not just kings, but, but actually kingdoms. Four different dynasties are going to come and rule. And from other parts in Daniel, we can kind of piece this together, piece things together. The first beast represents Babylon, the, the world superpower who was ruling at the time Daniel had this dream. The second beast, the great bear, was the Persian Empire. Uh, they were a fast rising power at this time. And, and soon after, still when Daniel is alive, the Persians conquered the Babylonians and they began to rule and be the superpower. And then coming after them, the third beast would be the Greeks and the fourth beast, the Romans. And you might think, well, why doesn't Daniel just say this plainly to us? Why doesn't God just say this plainly to us? Why not just say it? it's the Babylonians and Persians and Greeks and Romans? But of course, we do this kind of thing too. Like, let me tell you a little story. Uh, you know, I'm going to tell you a story. This is a story about a great bald eagle and it flies on high and it sees down below an unsuspecting kiwi and it swoops down and attacks the kiwi. And these two birds are in a great tussle and fight, but neither of them sees the kangaroo coming from the east and the kangaroo bonks them out and shoots them off in the sea and the crown is placed on the kangaroo's head. Now, if I tell you that story, you know it's not actually about birds and, and, and birds fighting and kangaroos attacking. It's a, you know, it's a story about the United States, the great bald eagle. It's attacking New Zealand, symbolized by the Kiwi. And, and Australia comes in and we kick them out and we become the world superpower. And yay, Australia. And that's the kind of thing that's happening here in Daniel 2. These four beasts represent four kingdoms, four dynasties and empires that will come. And this is going to be terrifying for God's people. You see, there's chaos as these kingdoms battle one another for power. There's war and conquering and death. It's, it's, it's a time that's really dangerous for everyone. But there's something that's especially dangerous for God's people. In verses 19 and 20, Daniel asks about the fourth beast and about the horns, especially the eleventh horn. And we hear some more detail about what the 11th horn was doing, what this great king in the, in the kingdom of Rome was doing. Verse 21, this horn was waging war against the holy people and defeating them. 
the attendant tells Daniel the meaning of this. It means danger, danger for God's people. Look at verse 25. The eleventh the horn will speak against the Most High and oppress his holy people and try to change the set times and the laws. The holy people will be delivered into his hands for a time, times, and half a time. Do you see the warning here that Daniel's hearing? There's a time coming when those in power will speak against God and they'll try to oppress God's people. They'll try to change the religious celebrations that happen and change how we think about right and wrong. And God's people are going to be handed over to this for a set time. This was a warning given to Daniel as a warning for God's people back then that dangerous times were coming. It was not going to be easy to say that you're a believer in God, to say that you follow God. So God's people back then were going to have to ask themselves a question. Would they be ready? When this time comes, would they stand firm? Or would they crumple under the pressure? Would they compromise and give up on God? It was a warning for God's people back then. And it's a warning for us now too. I mean, there's no Persians or Romans or anyone like that in charge anymore. But make no mistake, this is still happening. There are those in power in different parts of our world who oppose God and who oppose God's people. It's not like that everywhere for God's people all the time, but it does happen. Now, for us in Adelaide... Uh, In 2022, soon 2023, we don't really face this kind of real strong opposition where our lives are on the line. Things are generally okay for us. There are parts of the media that are anti-Christian and some people will think we're a bit weird because we are Christians. But by and large, we're not facing this sting of persecution so much. But we still need to heed the warning here, friends. Be prepared. Don't expect things to just keep being easy all the time. And and, and so, and this is the key thing for us, be careful about compromising now. Be careful now when the pressure isn't turned up. Be careful about compromising our commitment to God. If we compromise now when the pressure is minimal, then when things get harder and when opposition to God is stronger, we just won't have the muscle to stand up to it. So friends, heed the warning. Be ready. Don't compromise, but stand firm. See, firstly, Daniel's dream is a warning to God's people. But Daniel's dream also speaks a comfort to God's people. Look again at the interpretation of Daniel's dream in in verse 17. The four beasts are four great kings that will rise from the earth, but the holy people of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever. These four beasts... These these dynasties, these kingdoms will not always rule. Their power will be stripped away in verse 12. And ultimately, who is it that rules? It's God's people. 
In verse 22, they possess the kingdom. In verse 27, the sovereignty, power and greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the most holy people of God. Sorry, the people of the most high. And we might think that's a bit strange, you know. Isn't the Bible supposed to be about God, that he's the one who rules, that he's the one in charge? But, but this is saying that God's people are ruling. I mean, how does that even work? Well, the key to all this is, is that human figure, the son of man we heard about in the first reading. In verse 13, he's brought to the ancient of days. He's brought before God himself. And God gives him, verse 14, authority and glory and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. And this is how God's people get that too. We don't get there on our own. It's not as if we are worthy of this honour to be the rulers of God's world forever. But we only get there because we are counted with this son of man. Only, we only get there in as much as we are counted as one of his people. And of course, we know who this son of man is, don't we? In the midst of the great might of the Roman Empire, along comes Jesus, who calls himself, what? The Son of Man. Who in fact tells us that God has given him all authority on heaven and earth. We can take part in his rule only because he counts us with him. And that is... Amazing. This must have been a uh, a comfort to God's people back then, in Daniel's time. They were told, yes, chaos is going to come. It's not going to be easy. But they could look forward to this, this one coming, this son of man, who would put an end to the chaos, who would share his honor with them. And so they knew how to live as they waited for him to come. And just like this dream spoke comfort to the people back then, it speaks comfort to us today too, because it tells us the future. Things around us might seem chaotic at times. There's war, there's oppression, there's there's big stuff out there. And, And then there's also the personal difficulties that we all face in our lives. Actually, I was talking to a friend not long ago, and he was worried. He was worried about the world, worried that governments were corrupt and not doing what's best for people, worried about the culture that his son was going to have to grow up in, worried about his own future and questioning what his own plans should be. What would you say to him? What do I say to him at that point? Don't worry. It's going to be all okay. Don't worry about it. But that's just empty, isn't it? An empty platitude. I don't know if things are going to be okay or not. But into this question, Daniel 7 says something profound. These these times of chaos won't last. The Ancient of Days is on his throne and he has given authority and glory and sovereign power over to the Son of Man. God has given this to the Lord Jesus. And at the right time, God will end the chaos. And Jesus will be seen to be the one who is the true ruler, who has true power and authority. So friends, be comforted about your future. 
because your God is in control. He is the ancient of days, the eternal one. Kings and nations and powerful people come and they go, but our God does not. He remains forever. Be comforted, friends. He is in control. And fix your minds on this reality, that Jesus is now ruling, that he has been given all glory and honor and power, and there is a day set when those who follow Jesus will share his honor with him. That's the future. That's what's coming. So how ought we live now? Friends, let us stand firm in this good news. Let us stand firm as followers of Jesus and not let go of that. Let me pray for us. Our good and gracious God, we thank you for this glimpse into the future. We praise you that you are the Ancient of Days and that the Lord Jesus is the Son of Man. We praise you that we can get caught up with him into your great plans for the future. And so, Father, please help us stand firm in Jesus. Please help us not to compromise. Please help us be ready for hard things that will come. Please help us be comforted because we know the future. We pray this in his name. Amen.